Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. He had to get right with the Lord himself. The same is true for you and me. Before you'll be effective ministering to somebody else, dealing with somebody else's sin, you got to deal with your own, right? What does the Bible say? Deal with the plank, right? Two by four that's in your eye so that you can do what later? So you can help your brother with the speck that's in his eye. So we first deal with ourselves, our sins, our issues, so that we can be helpful to other people. Uh, it doesn't say that we never help somebody else out. It just says that you deal with yourself first. When you point out a brother's sin before addressing your sin, you're looking to remove a speck from his eye when you have a plank in your own. Today's message with Pastor Bill explains how hypocritical it is to judge another while living in sin. Perhaps you are in a relationship with another that is suffering due to unrepentant sin. You may believe the problem is theirs, but if you approach them without addressing your issues, you are probably the one causing the discord. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 16 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. There's an aspect of God's character, God's nature, God's person that some people want to all, almost forget completely there. If you're in sin, what, as, what, what attribute of God do you want to talk about and, and look at? His goodness, his grace, his mercy, right? If you're messing up, you're sinning, you're breaking God's commandments and laws, you want to focus over here on the mercy and the grace and the goodness, which is there. Some people, to a fault, only want to look at this side of the coin. God's goodness, he's mercy, he's gracious, as though the other side doesn't exist, but it's not true because there's a two-sided coin. And as much as it's true that God is merciful and he's good and he's gracious and he's kind, when you flip the coin over, there's another part of God's character, his nature that we can't delete, which is that God is just. What does it mean that God's just? He's holy. He's just that there's a penalty on sin that is going to be paid in full. And so we can't escape that part of who God is. And so there are people that don't want to look at it. It's uncomfortable, may make you feel bad, but we're going to look at the holiness of God and how on the one sense and the one coin we can come before God and we're his children and we're the friends of God. And then over here, we still got to come before him with a, a reverence that our God is holy. And so I've never liked the T-shirt. How many of you guys have seen that T-shirt? says, Jesus is my homeboy. Right? I've never liked that. I feel like it's bringing Jesus down to, to something. I can't call Jesus my homeboy. He says he's my friend. I receive that. But I'm not going to diminish him to some street slang terminology for some, some guys I grew up with or hang out with. You know, there's things where people can kind of diminish who he is. He's a very holy God. And so we're going to look at that. Look at chapter 16. We'll start at verses 1 and 2. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of his two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. So in the opening verses, we're taking back to chapter 10. God says, hey, he's picking up where they left off in chapter 10. It says the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. If you guys remember what Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu did in chapter 10, you can go back and look at it. But they came before the Lord and they, the Bible says they offered strange fire 
And if you look that word strange up, it means not as God had prescribed. And so they came before the Lord in a way that God didn't tell them to come before him. When you look at the correction given out later and God's telling Aaron, hey, don't drink and then come up in here. Many people believe that they got drunk and went before the Lord and did whatever they did. Whatever the case is, they came before God in a way that God had not prescribed and God killed them on the spot. They died because God is holy and you can't just come before him any kind of way. If you look at Acts chapter 5, New Testament, we get something similar. Ananias and Sapphira, they uh, at a time when the church was prospering, was walking in a real divine love for the Lord, love for one another. They offered a hypocritical offering to the Lord. They came and said, hey, we're, we sold our house and we're giving it all to the Lord, but they weren't really giving it all to the Lord. They didn't have to give any of it, but they wanted to look like they were giving it all. There was hypocrisy and they died, both of them. First Ananias and then his wife came and they asked her, hey, did you indeed sell the property for this much? And she conspired with her husband to tell the same lie and boom, they died on the spot. Why? Because God is holy and God didn't want that creeping into his church. Now, as we read these things, you know, we don't just drop dead today. Everybody in this room, I'm sure, have done things that we've sinned. We've broken commandments. We've broken laws. And just because I don't drop dead, I need to still be reminded that God has shown me in his word that that's how I feel about it. Right. Just because you don't drop dead doesn't mean that God's OK with it now. Right. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today and what? Forever. He's not changing. So if they died for it, then even though you're not dying for it now, that's how God feels. God was letting you know. That's how I feel. I feel strongly about that. Don't just come before me any old kind of way. And so he's going to give very specific instructions to Aaron how to come before him. Now, this is for the Jewish people. This is their highest holy day and on the Jewish calendar. Probably it has to be their greatest, most holy day on the Jewish calendar. It's called Yom Kippur. It's the day of atonement. It's the day where once a year, the priest could go in behind the veil. One time a year, only one guy could go into the tabernacle, into the holy place, into the holy of holies behind the veil, and he would make atonement. He would offer sacrifices for himself and for the sins of the people. This could only take place once a year. It was only the high priest that was able to go in and perform this thing. It was a big deal. For the Jewish people, it was, they had many feasts, but this period of time right here was more like a Sabbath. They were to be very solemn. They weren't to be celebrating. They weren't to be feasting. There was business was being done with God on their behalf. Anybody know what would happen to the high priest if he went in and he wasn't cleansed? He wasn't right with God himself. He would die on the spot. So they would tie a rope to his leg with bells on it and if they didn't hear no jingling after a while, they would they would give him a tug and they wouldn't go in. They just give a little tug and check. And if he died, they weren't going in to get him. They were pulling him out. And so just think about that. I mean, imagine. I mean, I, I try to think of as a pastor. What if I mean, what if if you came behind the pulpit and there was on some undealt with sin, some some unconfessed issue on the spot? Boom. They, they got to drag you out. What was God? showing them what was he displaying what, what do we walk away with right we're christians new testament christ has died risen and he, we're looking for him to come back again like what do we take home from this as i look at it i recognize this one that god is holy and god has given instruction in every generation how to come before him we want to take note 
We don't want it to be just some haphazard thing where we just take it lightly that we have access to God the way that we do. And just because he's not going to spank you like he spanked them, that you don't take him serious. We should just be reminded that we serve a holy God. As much as we're privileged to be friends of God and children of God, don't ever lose a reverence for the Lord. Don't ever lose a reverence. Don't ever lose a respect, a reverence, a fear of God. We don't live in terror of the Lord, but there's just a that's a right kind of fear that we need to have in our relationship with the Lord. They're getting the instructions for this day, Yom Kippur. Something interesting about that day when the priest would do all that was taking place and the sacrifices would be given and the blood was sprinkled and all of that. Their sins were covered, right? They weren't washed away. They were covered. Sins wouldn't be washed away until Jesus came to wash away the sins of the world. So for them, this was how they got right with God, but it wasn't ever completed and done until Jesus died. Their sins were just, it was covered so that they could come before the Lord, so they could have access. But you guys know the difference between covering something up and it being washed away. You know, if, you know, if I got chores and I'm a grown man, so I don't really have chores no more, except when my wife leave me a honey-do list. But for kids, if they get chores, some kids are masterful at covering it up instead of actually doing it throw a bunch of stuff under somewhere. I've caught my kids before taking dirty clothes and putting them in drawers. And when you when you just walk to the doorway, it's like, hey, it's clean. Open a drawer, though. Huh? Lift up the bed, though. Look, look underneath some covers, though. And it's just covered. The mess is all still there, covered up. That was the best that they could have at this time. Just cover it up. So now you can at least come before the Lord. You can still have access to the Lord. But sins wouldn't be washed away till Jesus came back to rule and reign till he came to die in our place. And so again, verse two, it says, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, do not just come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. God says, don't just come whenever you want. Don't just come at any old time. I'm going to let you know how to come and when to come. And so I would just remind us he's going to give some more instruction preparing Aaron how to come before the Lord. I would challenge us to consider what preparations we give as we come before the Lord. Do we need to prepare ourselves? Because we're New Testament Christians and the blood of Jesus cleanses of all sins. Do we just get to come however we are? Or are there some preparations? Are there some things that you should take care of on your way to church? Are there some things you should sit in the car and deal with before you enter in and come for worship and come for Bible study and come for worship? I would suggest that there is. Jesus said, if you come to the altar to give a gift and you realize that you have ought with your brother, what does he tell you to do? He said, leave your gift at the altar. Go get right with your brother, then come back. So one way you prepare yourself to come before the Lord and worship is if you got beef and issues with other people, deal with it. If you got people you need to forgive, forgive them. If you got people that you need to repent to, call them. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm getting ready to go worship the Lord. I can't have this on me. I have seen people come into a house of worship, come into a place of study and what they're carrying on them, they haven't set it down and they carry it in. They don't hear nothing. They leave just as, you know, they leave how they came. They come in in such a funk that they can't worship. They can't hear a study. Nothing. It's just like ding, 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 ding. It's it's not getting in. We we want to deal with those things that we can come in and just be broken, humble before our God. So if there's sin, if there's sin in your life, unconfessed sin, if there's things you haven't dealt with, you want to confess them. He knows anyway. First John 1, 9 tells if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Just like they needed to get clean. Get, get clean. Confess your sins. How, how easy is that? 
How easy is it to take a moment and say, God, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I agree with your word that those things are wrong and they're sinful and I'm sorry. I acknowledge that I'm wrong. I'm asking for forgiveness. Would you clean me? First John 1, 9 says you'll forgive me and cleanse me. Lord, would you please do that for me today? God's made it so easy. Why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we come in and have a clear conscience so you can't worship, so you can't receive, so there's anything blocking between you and the Lord. And so we want to confess sin, we want to forgive other people, and you want to meditate on God's goodness, right? God's been good to us. Whatever you do, whatever your day has been like, and sometimes human nature, right? I can be so caught up in me and what happened to me today that I lose sight of God's goodness. Isn't God still good to me any day? No matter what my day has been like, no matter what I've been through, no matter what has befallen me on a particular day, isn't he still good? Isn't he still worthy of my worship? But if I don't stop and refocus, I can just come in and be thinking about me and my stuff. They called me. They said this to me today. Ooh, they, they, you know, I'm worried about me. I'm worried about what I'm going to get, what I'm not going to get, what's going to happen, what they took away, whatever. I could just lose sight. God says, just, just take a minute. Meditate on my goodness. You're going to heaven when you die, boy. You know, things are, I've been good to you. I forgave you. I came after you. I, all these things, we want to just prepare our hearts that we can come in and enjoy God, enjoy his presence, be right before him. Look at verse three. It says, thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering. As he was going to come in and, and the way that the tabernacle was divided up, there was the, the holy place. That was up in the front. There's a table of showbread, the, the altar. Uh, there's a golden candlestick. And, and you could go into that place every day. There was a veil. And then behind that veil was the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of the Lord was. That was the place that he was only able to go in once a year. When Jesus died on the cross, what was torn in the temple? That veil was torn. Not from bottom to the top, but from top to the bottom. God poured down that which separated us from, from open access, right? We have an absolutely different relationship from, with God than they did, right? They had to go to the priest. You guys don't go to a priest. You guys got direct connect. You guys can lay in your bed at home and, and cry out to the Lord. When you guys want to confess your sins, you don't, you don't have to come to here and say, Pastor Bill, uh, I need you to tell God I'm sorry for this and offer a sacrifice for me. You go home and you confess. You recall the blood of Christ and what it means for you and what he's done for you, right? You can, you have direct access. They, they had to deal. The priest was doing this for them on their behalf. They couldn't do it for themselves. Only the high priest could go in once a year and do it for them. And so there was the Holy of Holies. And again, that was a place where once a year sin would be offered for the entire nation. Now, before Aaron was to offer sin for everybody else, he had to offer a, a, a sin offering for himself. Because if he went in and his sins weren't dealt with, he would die on the spot. So before he could minister on behalf of the nation, he had to get right with the Lord himself. The same is true for you and me. Before you'll be effective ministering to somebody else, dealing with somebody else's sin, you got to deal with your own, right? Who's the Bible say? Deal with the plank, right? Two by four that's in your eye so that you can do what later? So you can help your brother with the speck that's in his eye. So we first deal with ourselves, our sins, our issues so that we can be helpful to other people. Uh, it doesn't say that we never help somebody else out. It just says that you deal with yourself first. As we look at what the priest does here, we know in the New Testament, who is the high priest of the households? Christian family household. Who's the high priest there? Husband, right? That's your role. We look at what the high priest did. He offered sacrifice on behalf of his family. He, he went before the Lord on behalf of the people. So dads, husbands, that's your job 
on behalf of your family. We should be going before the Lord on their behalf. You should be praying for your wife. You should be praying for your kids. You should be praying. You should be crying out to God a lot more than you're complaining about whatever you don't like. That's your job is to come before the Lord. When you see their weaknesses, their sins, their faults, their failures, you're to be the one going before the Lord on their behalf, functioning as the high priest of your home. That doesn't really put you in a high and mighty place, but it puts you in a holy place to be able to lift them up. Right. This what a privilege. You could be the one to say, you know, I'm going to be praying for I see this thing in my wife. And it might not be as effective me telling her about it. So I'm going to just pray for her about it. Right. I say that all the time in marriage counseling to the men. Sometimes your communication with God about your wife can be more effective than your communication with your wife. And so tell dad. Right. That's her dad, too. I'm just going to tell her dad. And you just pray for your wife. Same thing with our kids. There can be times when we're telling our kids stuff and it's just like bing, 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 it's just like a ping pong ball. It's just, it's just bouncing off the walls. It's not getting in. Will you pray for them? Intercede for them. Sometimes as Christians, what we do is spend more time complaining, telling other people, calling, saying, man, I can't believe this right now. They did this all. Nothing effective has ever come out of complaining, ever. That nothing good comes from complaining, but when you cry out to the Lord, that's effective. You're talking to the one that loves them more than you do. You're speaking to the one that cares more than you do, loves them more than you do, and is available to meet their needs in a greater way than you can. And you just share it with him. If you guys remember in the book of Job, in Job chapter 1, verse 5, it said Job every single day would go and make sacrifices for his kids. He would offer sacrifices on their behalf. He said just in case they've sinned against the Lord. So he wasn't just praying for him, he was offering sacrifice on their behalf, just in case they may have messed up, functioning as the priest of his family, priest of his home. And so again, he had to take care of his own issues before he came before the Lord. Verse 4 says, he shall put on the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with the linen sash and with the linen turban, he shall be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And again, I just want to point out that he had there had to be preparation, right? He couldn't just go before the Lord in any kind of spiritual state. First, he had to offer sacrifices for himself. But God's also telling him what to wear. Why did the priest have to wear linen? And for you guys, I don't know if you guys know, but, you know, linen is a a breathable material, right? Uh, If you wear linen, it's not the kind of material that's going to make you sweat. Now, if you're just a sweater, you'll sweat through some linen too, but it's a breathable material. And the idea was this, that though they were working for the Lord, perspiring, God wanted their, he didn't want their perspiration so much as he wants their inspiration, right? He wanted them to be serving him. When when it comes to serving God, we don't want to ever make it seem as though it's this heavy burden that we're carrying. There were some prophets that, that were rebuked. In the Old Testament, because they were going around saying, oh, the burden of the Lord, like God had just put this heavy load on them and they were just working so hard for the Lord. God said, y'all quit saying that, the burden of the Lord. What does he tell us in the New Testament? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're loaded down, if you feel like, man, the load is heavy upon you, the burden is really heavy upon you. I would challenge you that maybe you've picked up some things that God haven't called you to pick up or maybe you're doing them in a way. That God doesn't call you to do them. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It doesn't mean that in ministry and in service, you won't work hard. You'll work hard. But it's amazing when you, you can work hard as God is inspiring you to do so. And it's like, yeah, I went hard, but I don't feel overwhelmed. I don't feel overburdened. I don't feel overtaxed. I don't feel like God is 
overdoing it through my life. It's like, yeah, we, we, we worked hard. But man, it was God was God's grace the whole time. He just carried us through it. They had to put on their linen outfit. I just want to say this. The normal high priest outfit was very ornate. Had all kinds of colors and all kinds of little trinkets and things on it. And we right here, he says, what they got to put on is very simple. On this most holy day, you would think they would put on their most. I mean, this is like for some churches, Easter Sunday. Oh, man. That, you got to go buy some new clothes for all 20 kids. And, you know, you got to, I mean, I, women got to get a hat and, and some new dress and some new suits and some shoes. Y'all know we don't do that. So you would think on this most holy day that this priest that normally has very ornate clothes, this would be the day where he really turns it up. Not so. On this most holy day, he's got his most simple gear on. What's that about? How come on this day, this is the biggest day of their calendar year, the, the most effective work that's been done all year will be done on this day. And he's got on his white linen trousers and he's been girded with a linen sash and a white linen with a linen turban. And these are his holy garments. And he goes in and he's got to wash his body and put them on. Very simple. It wouldn't be about him, right? He's not the show on this day. Who's the big deal on the day of atonement, right? What's the big deal? What's happening, right? It's not the priest and what he's doing. It's what God is doing. There's atonement being made for their sins. There'll be these innocent animals will come to them in just a moment. Their blood is being shed for the sins of everybody else. Everybody else's guilt is being put on these animals. Later on, we're going to look at the scapegoat and we'll, we'll look at that when we get to it. And so very simple as he came before the Lord and, and on that day, what he was to wear. I'm reminded of this, that Jesus, he left glory. I mean, he was in a very glory. I mean, he was in heaven. He was in glory. And he left all of that to come down to earth, to, to die for you. I and mean, he came down here to live a very simple life. I mean, I, I, when I read the scripture, I, I just I'm, when I remember that Jesus is God and I think of all that he didn't take advantage of when he came to earth. I mean, I'm thinking if he's God, he should have the best of everything. I mean, I'm God. You know, I at least want to be comfortable in my little thir my 33 years down here on earth. He didn't do that. He had poor parents. He lived in an area where they, they treated him bad. They, they thought his parents had him out of wedlock. And so his parents were ill spoken of. He grew up with a stigma upon him, dealt with that. He didn't provide luxuries for himself. Even when you look at all the miracles that Jesus performed, guess how many miracles he did for his own benefit? None. Every miracle was for somebody else. He was hungry himself, but he, he multiplied food to feed somebody else. In Matthew 4, Satan tempted Jesus to, because he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and there was nothing more that he would have wanted than food in his, in his humanity. And Satan said, hey, turn these stones into bread if you're the son of God. And he didn't do it. He said, hey, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But just a chapter later, right in chapter 5, people were hungry, and he multiplied fish and bread and fish for them. So it wasn't that he couldn't do it for himself, that he wouldn't do it for himself, but he would do it for them. Right. Every miracle he did was for the benefit of other people, ministering to them, ministering to their need. Never, never for himself. It wasn't about him. It was about us. Everything that he endured, everything that he went through. And so look at verse five and six. Now it says, and he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel, two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. We already said it once that he first had to deal with his own sins. I just want to point out in verse six, it also adds and for his house. Aaron was dealing with himself and his family. And I just want to point that out to every man, every parent, everybody responsible for some other people under you, if their children would not. He's responsible for himself first. 
but also for those under his care, for his whole household, that he was, he was offering sacrifice. My prayer is, especially for the men of our fellowship, is that we would walk in this. That the men of Calvary Chapel Inglewood would really be men in their homes. Men of God. Men that pray for their families. Men that love and minister and their wives. Men that are examples to their kids and, and offer all the things that the Bible says we're supposed to offer. That we wouldn't be just another group of guys faking it. Just getting through. Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see Him, even when you don't feel him, even when you don't understand him, he is near and he is for you. His grace is endless and his love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio, and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.